0: what's up everybody welcome to mixed tapes i'm your host eric stanglin and uh, yet again another uh exciting episode of die on that hill and we've got a guest that's been on the show before but before i introduce him i just want to say thank you very much to everybody that's been sending me texts and emails um enjoying this actual segment um i've been really enjoying it too it's been awesome and uh i, I can't wait to share some more of these ones today's gonna to be a great one, and. Uh, My ho, well, not my host, my my buddy here, who's going to be on the show. He is a walking encyclopedia of music. Uh, He really knows his stuff. Uh, Mr. Mark Ernest, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Eric. Um, And uh, thank you for calling me a walking encyclopedia, which shows my age. So I could be a walking Wikipedia, maybe.
0: Well, there you go. We can do that. Now, here's the thing, my friend. What is the hill you are prepared to die on today? Uh,
1: My hill is that uh, there is enough modern music now for modern bands uh, that is just as good as the classics that you are used to and have heard uh, pretty much in every
0: genre. That's going to be a very interesting hill. One of the things I want to tell the listeners, if this is the first time you're hearing one of these, these, this segment, is I don't pick a side. So I might agree with you right off the top of the bat. I might not agree with you at all. You might change your my, my mind as it goes along. I didn't want to always have like the, you know, the, you know, whatever side you take, I'm taking the opposite type of thing. I wanted it to be a nice, you know, flowing conversation. So you might say a bunch of stuff and I'll go, you know what, I'm climbing right up the hill with you or I'll be like nah, I can't do it. So just so the listeners know, it's not I'm not picking a side before the show starts. And the other thing too is me and Mark have not talked really about this at all. I just knew the topic he was going to talk about. So it's going to be really free flowing and I think that's the best type of conversations you can have on a podcast. So, Mr. Ernest, talk to me. Tell me why we're dying on this hill today. Okay.
1: Well, and and I am dying on this hill Fairly often <laughs> when in conversation with some people that I know, not everyone, a lot of people are on my hill, flags wave waving for, for new bands and for uh, new ideas and new challenges. But um, a lot of people, especially people who have crossed the 40-year-old Rubicon or maybe even the 30-year-old Rubicon, depending on what kind of music you like, um, tend to think that what uh, came before was better, in quotes, better than what is happening now. And I think a lot of that has to do, you know, less with the actual quality of the music or how they perceive the quality of music and more of how you get music these days. And I think that's the culprit. I think that it really is the fact that um, it's a little bit more disposable now because of streaming and because of the way you receive music. Um, And I think also it's because it's not as prevalent in um, the the mainstream anymore like it was. You know, really the uh, early 2000s was the last time, in rock at least, that you heard a lot about that genre in particular and it having an impact on millions of people as opposed to just thousands or not knowing the impact because there's no way to measure it anymore because, you know, larger magazines or larger chunks of the media don't talk about it too much Um, and really that's to me that's that's the reasoning behind it and that's what I usually tell people when they say oh they don't make them like they used to and it's like well no they're totally making them like they used to in whatever genre you like you know even the ones that are still relatively prevalent in the mainstream you know like hip hop or something like that there's definitely artists beyond even the ones you're being told to like that that you can you can try and find and see if they will 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 hold up in time you know over what you liked before and not just sort of live in the past or be too nostalgic about music and what you like
0: you know you you bring up a great point right off the bat starting I mean your opening statement right off the bat you bring up great points Um, how much do you think age affects people's awareness so for example i grew up i'm 47 soon to be 48 i felt like i grew up in a pretty classic era of music um where i was really getting into music was probably mid late 80s to early 90s and there's a lot of great shit in there i mean like you can think of like like you're talking about hip-hop eric b and rakim KRS one public enemy there's some really good shit there um Jane's Addiction, Alice in Chains. There's a lot of great bands in the in the in the late 80s, early 90s. And I mean, I was listening to music a little bit before then, but there was a lot of great stuff there, right? And I'm, you know, I'm 13, 14 at the time, very impressionable, right? Um, the stuff that came before me, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of great stuff. You know, Sabbath Kiss, you know, Zeppelin, uh Van Halen, Deep Purple, uh, Crosby Stills and Nash, Neil Young. I mean, there's so much different variety, right? So do you think a lot of people are just really having a time and the place for their music and they don't grow considerably as they get older in terms of like you said earlier, how they find and consume their music? Do you think that's one of the big issues?
1: Um, I do, but um, I, I don't think it's necessarily just people in our age group. I'm 55, so you know' I'm, I'm basically in your generation. <laughs> We're both Gen Xers, right. right, right why like I think 1984 was the best ever top 40 radio year right because that's what I listened to it when I was you know 16 and 17 years old and of course the litany of everyone who was great there Prince Eurythmics uh Springsteen was top 40 then Madonna early Madonna when it was interesting all that stuff so there so there's a reason why I say that and there's a reason why uh, other people one generation down from us say the same thing about 91 right you know, because that was the year Grunge broke, as it were. And, and you know, all sorts of and Metallica Black album, all sorts of stuff happening, you know, around that same time.
0: So that's one of those things that is interesting to me, too, because I felt like there was so much like interesting, unique music in that small little box of like three or four years. Um, and, and the one thing I want to ask you real quick is, do you feel like that's happening like throughout time and we're just not, we're just not seeing it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I think, (laughs) you know, and I did want to say too that uh, that this isn't necessarily something for people in their forties and fifties either or beyond, you know, boomer boomers uh, as far as a a trait, you know, to think that uh, they don't make them like they used to. Um, I know enough people because of my daughter and just because of being a musician here in town, you know, I've met enough people between like 25 and 35, and some of them think the same thing about their music that they grew up with, like that they're huge on Panic at the Disco, the early stuff, they're huge on My like Chemical Romance, especially as a great example, you know, and, you know, they're thinking, well, bands like that, you know, you know, Fall Out Boy before it all got weird, <laughs> but, you know, all all of those bands, you know, uh, are, are, their, are their touchstones. And so some of those folks don't really listen to modern stuff either. I think there's a little less of that for you, the younger you are. I do think that. I think I think you're just more receptive and more into exploratory things. You know, if you look at stats and I can't parrot them exactly. If you look at Spotify stats on who the core audience is, you know, it's females age, you know, uh, 17 to 24. Like that's the demo. And, and you'll see that a lot of the music that they push and a lot that gets listened to is in that demo right now for the modern stuff that's out there. And that that's getting the push from, you know, bigger record companies or publicists or people like that who do that, which is why you see an overabundance of like 10 or 12 different names. You know, I think you have to dig, you know, more so than it did when we grew up too. And I think that's another thing, you know, when we were, when we were growing up, you, you, didn't have to dig as much in some respects. A, because you didn't have a choice, and B, it depending on where you grew up, by the way, or and B, you didn't have uh, the, the internet around and all of its various offshoots, you know, to be able to find literally any record or any kind of band or sound that you wanted once you heard about them from whoever. It was really, and it still is to an extent, but it really was friends telling friends what was going on, or you coming across something on the radio or reading about it in the magazine or watching MTV, that was just, and all those things are gone except for your friends. (laughs) So you have to rely on them more. I think these days, I think maybe that's part of it too. If you really think about it, you know, there's, I, I mean, I have people evangelize to me all the time and I certainly do that all the time too. I'm sending links like an idiot, you know, all the time about bands I like, you know, and people, and people, some people will do that to me as well. You know, so I think I think there's just such a combination of factors as to why this is. But I also think that as a listener, if you care about music so much and if you call yourself a person who is a, a huge music fan that you need to invest in time and listen to what's going on now at the very least, just to see if it's even close to what's happening and to sort of keep the thread going instead of it, it becoming a, a dead art form in your mind. You know, like some people think jazz is, which is a lie also, but that's another thing we can get to. <laughs> but, but, you know, to me, you know, with rock music in particular, and I know that's mostly your audience listens to that, but um, for me, that that's the trick now and that's what I advocate for people to do is to try and find time, no matter how you receive your music or how you look for stuff, to, to, to take a chance on a new band or take a chance on a former band's new material and see what you think.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, I had my friend Bredo on uh, a couple episodes ago, and we were talking about uh, his hill was MTV was the worst thing that happened to music. And he made some great points, but I couldn't agree with him totally because I thought of, well, MTV gave me headbangers ball, which was right. an important thing in terms of like, by hour two, hour three, I was hearing metal I'd never heard before, you know, at at the age of 13 years old. And
1: for me, that was 120 minutes, which was the alternative music show that was on the Sundays. It was literally a ritual for me for many, many years for several friends of mine in my tiny ass little town of Carlsbad, New Mexico, you know, to to get together and watch that. You know, we did that for more than a year. Um, and th- and this was in the golden era of it. this was 86, 87, 88 you know around in that time frame. And uh, yeah t- to me that was the value of MTV. I, I haven't listened to that segment yet although i'm sure one of the things he objects to is you know how commercialized it made music i bet and how you know it made it it made it more of a commodity and and the repetition of it was just like radio too and how that evolved and all that kind of stuff but 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 i see what you're meaning about headbangers too especially because both of those programs were really good at at least throwing you know, major record label and sometimes indie record label folks right at you, right after the big Skid Row song or right after the big, um, you know, song by uh, the replacements or whoever was kind of being touted heavily at the time.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because as a a metal kid growing up and a rock kid, I would watch 120 minutes and I wouldn't watch it the way I watch Headbangers where I'd have the, the VCR set to tape it because... You know, I grew up back east and I think it was the same out, you know, out west too, where it started at like 1130 at night. So by the time you hit hour three, dude, you're out like a light, right? You know, at least if a 14-year-old me was. Um, but 120 minutes is another thing that I helped me get into The Cure, helped me get into other bands that I wasn't exposed to. Because, you know, back then a lot of metal dudes and, and the, the some metal girls that were into metal back then, it was like, you just listen to metal like and there wasn't a lot of friends that were super open-minded in different styles of music so mtv helped me with that i thought like unplugged was another great thing mtv did so i couldn't agree with him 100 like you said he had some great points though um and, and that's one thing i did love about mtv is it opened up your mind especially if you were in a small town where you didn't have access to a lot of things in terms of well what what's cool like that's not right in your face that you can grab if that makes sense right like you know do your all your friends listen to the same thing so a headbangers ball 120 minutes helps you kind of branch out a little bit more other than the hits and mtv was really good about that then it just got too crazy where it was like they were playing the same damn videos like you know 15 times a day and the tlr and all that other bullshit um so the other thing I wanted to ask you about this hill is, can you give the listeners? Because I think this is important. Can you give the listeners some examples, maybe like maybe a band or two and in, in a couple of genres that you're like? These are some of the bands you should check out and dig.
1: Uh, yeah, I would I would love to do that. <laughs> and and some of these are people who may have been doing records for a, a, a bunch of years. But uh, the when I'm talking about nostalgia, I mean anything you know apart from this last like 10 years like like if you're here's an example if you're if you're um if you just like straight up rock right Uh, but you only listen to like metallica or you only listen to you know things of that nature that are kind of like that not necessarily metal but you know things that you know like have a have like the oomph of kind of classic rock to it if you thought Greta Van Fleet was gross for instance because they got pushed at you so heavily, um, yeah, if you're that guy or, or gal, then to me, like a band like the Bronx is really good. They're from LA, even though they're called the Bronx. And uh, last year they released my personal number one record of the year, which was their sixth, uh, sixth or seventh album, sixth album. And um, to me, they're like the perfect example of bridging different types of styles, bridging alternative music, as well as just you know, straight up dirty rock and roll, you know, with lead guitar solos and, you know, that sort of brilliant patch in the 70s that they had there that kind of carried over into the 80s somewhat. Like to me, that's a band that you could start with their new record and easily discover what's going on, you know, afterward with them too. Like they're a particularly good example. When it comes to actual metal itself, uh, another band that's been around for a while, but that's just right now with their last few records has been doing some of their best work is this band called Sasquatch. And uh, they're also I don't know what it is about LA, but you know they're <laughs> also from Southern California. Actually, they're kind of spread out across the country. Um, but they, in particular, are really good at you know the early metal stuff, like the Sabbathy stuff, and and, and really trying again to bridge a gap between that sound and what is going on um, like now today with other bands of their ilk. Their new record's called Fever Fantasy. And it's really good. It's probably gonna end up in my top 10 or so. Um, if we're talking about a genre that people think is really dead, which is soul music or R B, like people don't really feel like there's a lot of really, you know, uh stuff with the kind of substance that's needed or the kind of skill that's needed. Uh there's an artist named Shamir, S-H-A-M-I-R. They'll spell out and it maybe might be a little difficult for some people because what um what he's talking about is a lot of stuff that's uh out in the world about L- lgbt orientated things but as far as just listening to it and the craft and his voice which is unbelievable it's like it's it's like prince falsetto times 12 it's like he is a very gifted singer and uh, any of his stuff is really good to check out, too. His new record is hilariously called Heterosexuality. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Even awesome. though it's barely about that. It's a, it's a very button-pushy record. But if we're talking just strictly on musical terms, it's one of the best R&B or soul records I've heard in a really long time. And so that's, that would be a good example there, too. Um, and then, you know, in the world of, of, of country music, I mean, there's definitely people you know, not doing sort of the commercial end of things. And they're, they're trying a little bit to, to sort of push, push the boundaries. Like the main guy that I usually talk about is Sturgill Simpson, who maybe some people know because he's done some mainstream stuff. He, he did Saturday Night Live very famously, you know, when he was kind of changing direction a little bit, but his actual country material and including the last record he did, which is called Dude and Juanita is really good, too, for that traditional kind of country style. And he's the sort of artist that I think is going to endure beyond this, you know, because one of the things we're talking about, too, is like and it's a good argument, I think. And maybe this is an argument you have, too, where it's like, well, that stuff is classic because it's enduring. You know, it started out decades and decades ago and it stood the test of time. You can't really make that judgment now. And I agree with that. Um, but I think you have to open up to it anyway. You know, I have, you have to say to yourself, eventually I'm going to think of Sturgill Simpson the way that I think of Merle Haggard. And to me, that's not a stretch at all. In fact, I might like him better than Merle Haggard. You know? It comes right down to it. Better than Whalen? I don't know. Better than, better than, you know, someone else possibly. I mean, it's like, to me, I mean, that's, that's the argument. It's more like, you know, instead of just like knocking what's going on now and especially younger artists, you know, giving that, that kind of stuff a chance as opposed to, you know, just, uh, calling it outright as something that you don't like just because you've heard only a handful of artists that have come across your radar in whatever way that happens now.
0: Let me ask you a question because I want to plug you real quick. You are a musician, like you said earlier, but you're also a uh, a label owner, right? You know, you yes. uh, you Both. and Tony, right, have uh, yep. have Tone Marks uh, Studios or Sounds, right? Sorry. And... um yeah. So do you feel, well, let's put it this way. Cause see, so here's, here's why I'm on the hill with you a little bit. And then I, I kind of go off the hill and then back on, um, a lot of people that come through virtual guitar lessons with me, I'm not teaching anything new. Like it, it, everything that people are wanting to learn is at least from, the mid 90s and backwards, right? And and I I'm I'm a guy that's kind of in the middle. Like there's stuff I love I love Elder, I love Paul Bear, I love Basque. There's there's bands that I really dig that I'm like, these guys are doing cool stuff, right? So you're also I mean, you also write reviews, you've interviewed people. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you do. So you're really cemented in what's going on musically. You almost have to be, but you enjoy doing it. Anyway, if you didn't even have to do that stuff, I'm sure you would be 100% into it. Um, But my question is, to get me up the hill a little bit more, what's your elevator pitch, as funny as this sounds, to somebody that's in their 40s that like love music in their 20s and teens and then just got lost whether it was like, okay, family thing, kid thing, job thing, like not hanging out with people as much. And so, cause I think one of the big problems is if you're not talking to your friends a lot, it's like, it's very hard to find like, oh, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? And if you're in that place where let's say you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you come home, you got your kids, you spend time, this and that, it's like, you almost get lost in the shuffle of like what's new, what's going on, and you and you still love music. So it's almost like that it's that nice familiar jacket, right? You you put on that jacket like, all right, Black Sabbath sabotage or, you know, the who's who's next or or slime the family stone or you know, there's so many different things you can think of. So what's your pitch to people that are in their 40s, late 30s, right? We talked about earlier. What's your pitch to get them to go up the hill with you and how do you help them get up that hill
1: okay yeah Uh, two things with that first of all I'm I'm I like the jackets too (laughs) I'm into the jackets too a lot in fact if you were to take my normal music listening it's probably about you know 60% new 40% old I think if you would if you would really look at it over a week's time And that's probably more than I would expect for most people, you know, for most people, I would, I would think 75, 25 is totally fine. Just like a chunk of your week is dedicated to new stuff, you know, and that's totally good. And that ties into what you're talking about, which is the reasonability of time, you know, being able to actually listen to stuff and when you listen to stuff and how that works. And that ties into my elevator pitch too. So to me, it's like, well, um, how do you get music now? how do you listen to music now? You know, and if someone says, well, you know, I'm on Spotify, but I don't listen to it too much. I don't look too much. Or I'm, or I'm, or I'm on Apple music and I'm on there a bunch, but you know, I've got my stuff I've saved and that's what I do. Like, if that's the case, you know, I usually say, you know, look at what they're recommending first. If you don't have a, trusted friend to tell you because apple in particular is really good at that they're really good at you at you know hitting that button that says listen now i think is what it says and you can you can actually get recommendations based on what you've been listening to and they're pretty spot on they 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 it's not completely promotional like there's stuff on there that's like oh i'm already listening to that you know and i pat myself on the back and stuff but at the same time it's like oh, there's stuff I hadn't heard, actually. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Or I look at what they're recommending them and I'm thinking, ooh, that's a really good idea. I'm glad that they're doing that. I know Spotify does that to an extent, but not quite the same way. There's a little bit more heavy-handed for who's paying them money to promote. But um, at the very least, you know, searching within the genres of those two places in particular is a good place to start, you know, trying to find new material um, to listen to. If, if what you're listening to is just basically your own stuff, then I would say to them, you know, break out of that box a little bit, a couple of times in a week, if you can, you know, when you know it's your listening time, when you're making dinner or where you're relaxing at the end of the night or where you're at work and there's stuff on, you know, instead of no offense to people who do podcasts, but instead of going to that podcast, you know, maybe that can be the time for you to explore something off of YouTube, you know, and, and hit new metal and see what you get. Hopefully you won't get a lot of corn, but you know, you might get, you know, even, even searching on Google and trying to find stuff like that, I think is helpful, you know, as far as a, a genre that you like, you know, trying to try and pick the, the genre that, you know, you like, you know, like if you're an old punk rocker and you think all oh, the kids are stupid and they don't really do punk rock anymore. You know, there's plenty of places, you know, that talk about new bands, um, websites too. I mean, especially that age group the 35 to 45 they're still pretty web browser heavy users in the demo instead of just being on TikTok or 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 being on you know instagram if that's the thing still but um a a lot of it is 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 detective work you know and i understand why people wouldn't have time for that but i think that that's something that you can do um If you, if you dedicate the time to it and it's, if you really care about that, I mean, you know, I don't like to guilt people, (laughs) but you know, if you do, if you, if you come to me, especially this could sound snotty, but I don't care if you come to me, especially and you say, Oh, I love music. It's my salvation and my light. And it's the best thing ever, you know, and you don't listen to anything modern. Then I kind of wonder. If you really like it as much as you say because you're not letting the continuum go you're not keeping it rolling you're not you know interested in hearing stuff necessarily that's happening right now um it's more it is more of a nostalgia thing and i get that and i would i would rather someone listen listen to this any kind of music period and have it be important in their life with all the distractions going on i'm totally cool with that But at the same time, I think that if you are going to profess that to someone that you need to own up to it a little bit and you need to at least listen to what's going on. You don't have to like it, but, you know, necessarily, but giving stuff a chance, you'll find that you will end up liking something and something will resonate with you and it'll it'll, it'll turn you on in a good way. And you'll be able to maybe add them, you know, to the echelon of the hundreds or thousands of bands, you know, that potentially you like.
0: How do we grow if we don't? I think that's a great point in the sense of if you're not at least trying to find new bands, like you're not really growing as a music listener per se. Um, Here's something I want to throw at you, though. I'm climbing up the hill more like with this conversation and I've beyond enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I know the listeners, if they've stuck around this long, I think are really engaged because this is a really good conversation in my opinion. Now, here's something I find interesting. Um, Music is in our lives a lot more than we realize, okay? And what I mean by that is, um, I remember when Madden came out and they started adding music. And it was like, you would hear stuff that I, I never heard. Like they would take chances on bands, whether it was hip hop or rock, and there's stuff I'd hear and I'd go, oh wow, oh that was, you know, I remember that from Madden 04 or something like that, right? You know, um, same thing with movies, same thing with uh, TV shows, right? We see it with Stranger Things, like, you know, the Kate Bush song is huge. Master Puppets is 17 million downloads this week since the the episode finale of Stranger Things 4. Now, here's my question to you, and this is what I think is interesting. Pretty much everything we're hearing for the most part in these are older songs, right? I think it's cool that people are like finding them. And I have a lot of respect for Metallica for being like, we're not going to be gatekeepers. If people jump on because they heard it on this show and they find out more about us, awesome, man. Like if this is the first time they ever heard us and they dig it, that's cool. And I think that's awesome. And, and it shows the power of stuff you might've missed, which I think is cool. But here's my question to you. Why is there not more modern stuff in TV shows? And why do those modern songs not blow up like these songs from back in the day blowing up because i from students i teach a lot of young ones were into the kate Kate bush song and they were definitely not alive in 85 right or 84 when the song came out so it's like where's the push for the modern stuff where's the taking the chance for the modern stuff especially because getting the rights to that music would be a lot cheaper too i'm assuming.
1: Well, yes, you're right. I mean, with Stranger Things, though, they're kind of locked in because they're talking about an era and they get and they get a lot of (laughs) shtick, let's say a stick or shtick for um, doing stuff that's in the wrong timeline, you know, Uh, and so they don't really have a choice. They can't go past 86 at this point, which is why they got Master of Puppets, which was that, that year, if I remember correctly or close to it. And then Kate Bush came out in 85, at least popularly in America like that would like that was that was set in spring break March 86 it would totally make sense for Max to be into Kate Bush you know as a as a a new wave and skate kid you know it's possible maybe she should have been into something like the Descendants or something but you know it's it's also like well you know they're building an atmosphere here you know this is this is filmmaking and so that song is such an evocative song no matter what you're going to do with it it's, a, it's cinematic anyway, all of her music is. And so, so I think that's part of it. One is that you're kind of hemmed in, a lot of that entertainment that we're talking about, you're hemmed in to an era, you know, even in video games. You know, you think about uh, Take Me Home Country Roads being a big deal a couple of years ago because it was in Dead Red Redemption, because that set, you know, that's not set in the 70s, but you know, that style is set there. So a lot of that is is the nostalgia feeding itself <laughs> you know in in the way that we have uh the stuff we consume on mass like in a in a major way i mean there's certainly a lot of modern shows that do use modern music um you just don't find them as much or they're not as popular um and i think you're right about i think it sort of depends on sort of placement and where it's at as to if it will really blow up that big or not. I mean, Stranger Things, you have no choice. That's the the biggest thing. It has been for many years. You know, Umbrella Academy, which is also being shown. I don't, I know it's really popular, but I don't know what kind of music they use on there. So maybe that's something for your listeners to pursue or someone can tell you in your comments or somewhere and say, hey, is that, does that show, for instance, I don't watch it. Cause it just, it's not my thing, <laughs> but I don't know if they're using, I would think just by looking at an ad for it, that they would use modern music. Cause it has that feel. Although it's, I think set in the past or the future you do. So um, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why. Um, but a good converse effect though, is, is that those artists end up being gateways. And this was true when you and I grew up too. We heard, we heard, what was the heaviest thing we heard, right? So I'll ask, you, I'll ask you that question. When you were 15, what was the heaviest band you heard when you were 15?
0: Okay, so 15 was uh, 1988, 89 for me. So definitely Slayer.
1: Okay, so Slayer is the heaviest band. Now, if that was 88, there was already um, black metal and flat-out death metal happening then. You could have heard Possessed. You could have heard morbid angel the really good morbid angel even like when they just had first started you know or you could have heard something that was slow and heavy like the candle mass record you know like like that could have been and i'm sure it was slayer was a gatekeeper for you either for other thrash or for things that were even like a level up from there and i think that's what we're going to be seeing somewhat although it's going to be pretty subtle and you're only going to hear about it from your friends and your family or your kids as to what's happening with Kate Bush and Metallica, like Kate Bush, there's a lot of modern artists that have similarity to Her, someone like a Florence and the Machine, for instance, that people might not know, or even, even like Margaret Gillespie or, um, or Phoebe Burgers, Burgers, I can never pronounce her name right. Phoebe Burgers, someone like that, who's, who's kind of got her style, but maybe has not like poked through. I mean, these are people you can recommend, to someone who likes Kate Bush. Metallica, of course, that, that's totally wide open. You can say Gojira, and there you go, you're covered. You know, because that's like the, the band tied to them right now, period. But it's also, they're also a great gateway, too, if no one's heard Gojira, especially the last couple records, because they're a lot more palpable. And then you just start stair-stepping going on and on. So not only do you hopefully get into more of their actual material beyond that one song, which we've seen with Kate and Metallica already, like if you look at the iTunes for metal the sales, all the Metallica records are in there. And if you looked uh, right when Kate Bush was breaking Hounds of Love, which is the album that records on was in the top 10 for a while, you know, and people were also buying her, uh, she had a greatest hits called the whole story, which is most of her best material. That was her first five albums. It's greatest hits, which also had running off that hill, but it had a lot more too, including some really challenging stuff from her. She's got a lot of that and that sold really well too. So I think that that's the uh, the positive part of that use is that if, if you let it, it can be a gatekeeper for other things or, or a gate opener rather for other things uh, with that artist or with other people too. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's going to change because nostalgia sells like crazy. It always has. That's never, it's it sold in the fifties for the forties, <laughs> you know, before the war, right. Uh, swing music, right. You know, it just, It's just, uh, that's something that will never die, but it doesn't mean it has to totally rule your life either.
0: The other beautiful thing too about this conversation is we have so many more tools at our fingertips that we did not have back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And that's enormous because that allows you to, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, so I I remember, I'll never forget this. This kid had Garage Days by Metallica and he had it, in cassette form and he had the walkman and like four of us were in the bathroom in i think it was a seventh grade catholic school and we're listening and i'm like what the fuck is this but i was like intrigued because in catholic school it's like oh i'm going to hell if i listen to heavy metal stupid shit like that right but but <laughs> then it was like trying to go backwards because you have from Garage Days, you have Master, you have Ride, and you have Kill'em All, right? Well, I didn't have money to buy all three records. You know what I mean? I was cutting lawns to to, to buy stuff or chores or whatever. Maybe your friend had one or two. Maybe, maybe you... Uh, you traded tapes, you know, you, you tape stuff. Sorry, you know, that's a, a, a future episode. We're going to be talking about that. But you you didn't have that on your fingertips to go through their whole entire fucking catalog in a weekend if you wanted to. It was basically like, does the kid down the street have master puppets? Okay, cool. Does the other kid down the street have ride the lightning? Okay, cool. I can kind of dive into it more. Now you can, which is awesome. Um, I always want to try to keep these things under... 40 minutes if possible. And, uh, my friend, I love you and we can talk for hours on this subject. And that's why I love having you on conversation to me was excellent today. And this is why I love doing this new segment. Um, and Mr. Ernest, I am definitely walking up that Hill with you, my friend. Uh, you have converted me a little bit for sure. My problem is finding, music because a lot of times it's like i always say you go to the bad club and that's the other thing too local music is a great another great gateway to find great bands that are doing very honest work before you know unfortunately like a record, record labels get a hold of them if there's such a thing anymore really for the most part but the problem that i have is it's hard for me to find stuff and i feel like a lot of times going back to the club thing if you go to a club you see a crappy band the odds of you going back to that club the next time might be a little bit slimmer, but maybe you go again, you see another crappy band, then you're like, I'm done with this club, right? So it's like, for me, it's hard to find bands and go, no, I don't like this band, I don't like that band, I don't like this band, but you've made me realize it's more to like, you know, take a little bit of time out of your week just to try to find some new stuff. And if you find something, then cool, that's great. If you don't, you don't. Um, And the other thing I think is super important with that is is you're growing when you do that, and you're helping the the younger generation. It's kind of like that, bringing your hand to pull them up and keeping music. You know, whether you like it or you don't, keeping it relevant, man. Because I think that's important, and I, I think we're losing our way a lot on that because people aren't getting paid to play music anymore, and unfortunately, that's diluting a lot of stuff. Everything gets more expensive. It's harder to tour. You know, you're a young band. How do you make money anymore? It's very difficult. So, you know, being supportive of your bands is huge. To end on this real quick, because that was an enormous long run on sentence, can you please promote yourself so people can find you more?
1: Sure. And, and two things really fast <laughs> from what you said. Um, one, I'm glad you're running up that hill with me with no problem. And two, um, I agree. To me, that's the main kernel of what you said. Taking time in your week to do that. Trusting your friends. Going on a whim and going to see a band because your friends like that band in the town you're in. All of those things, just just taking that time out if you really are a true music lover is all that I'm really asking, you know? And I think you're right. If more people do that over time, it'll, it'll get better in general for musicians and and you'll you'll hear something that'll blow your mind. It'll be great. That's always good. Um, not that my bands will blow your mind, but I'm in two. Uh, one is called Kenawa and it's uh, more like a, a, a metal-ish, alterno, metal kind of band. And the other one is called Man Child, and it's more like old school punk and hardcore. And then the label I run with Tony is called Tone Mark Sounds. So if you search around all the various places to find that, uh, you can. Um, both of those band well, Kenawa is represented on streaming. Man Child will be once our record's out, which is sometime in probably September.
0: Pronounce Kenawa, please like spell it out for people so they can find it because it's the hardest <laughs> fucking name to spell. <laughs>
1: Yes, sir. Uh, K-A-N-A-W-H-A.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Mark, thanks for coming on the show. I knew it was going to be a great one when you agreed to say yes. Um, like I said, you're a walking Wikipedia, if that makes you feel a little better. Sure. <laughs> and, sure. Uh, that makes me feel a ton- I really appreciate you coming on the show today, my friend. Uh, stay safe out there, man. Thanks again for, for uh, coming on the show. I do really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Eric. I, I appreciate the
0: time as well.